Hey guys, welcome to the One Two Football podcast. Today we have to start by talking about Chelsea. They have, as we're recording, they've sacked two shells. What has gone wrong this season, Kieran, for Chelsea? Well, I mean, I think I think we can we can talk about the starting point. This the moment he had the nerve to uh, not let go of Antonio Conte's hand. <laughs> Uh, must have passed some juju onto him or something. But I think from, from what I've seen, it just looks like they don't have a plan B. It's when this thing doesn't work. And it's not ideal as well when all of your players aren't performing. Um, they needed a midfielder, a proper midfielder. They needed a striker, a proper striker. I don't think Bamiyang and Zakaria are really enough. They kind of papered over the cracks on deadline day. You can't knock the the arrivals of Sterling, Fafana, Koulibaly, Kukurea. But again, a lot of players and all of whom have arrived with a rather big price tag and you know I'm not suggesting that there's egos involved in that but I think it has to cross your mind um, but yeah they, they just look kind of devoid of ideas um, and unfortunately at Chelsea you don't really get a chance for some respite if you're going through a rough patch of form you know that was a, a massive part of Abramovich's run um, at the top of the club was if you know you lose five games or you don't win in five games regardless of what you've done previously, you worry about your job. Um, and with Todd Bowley coming in, you'd think it would change, but it hasn't. You know, when new owners come in, then the same applies for new managers. You look at Jesse March and the players he's brought in, you like to have your own stamp on things. You like to bring in players, managers, coaches that you want to work with, that you like. And I genuinely do believe that ever since Todd Bowley arrived, he's been kind of looking maybe for a way to get rid of Sushal because he's not his man. He's not the person he wants to employ as manager because he was there when he arrived. Um, so, I mean, there's there's multiple ways you can look at it, which I'm sure you'll both probably uh, talk about. But from my point of view, I, I don't think anything's changed with Chelsea, regardless of the ownership model, in that they still seem to be deciding far too quickly um, when it comes to sacking managers just through a bit of bad form. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of money. They spent a lot of money. It's important to remember they've spent is it 250 million this summer? I don't think um, you're the follow- person to speak about it based on last week's um, <laughs> uh, questions of getting it all horribly wrong. T- they've spent 250 million and they- they've sacked him a week later. I mean, that is that is bizarre to me. Like, for, even for, for Chelsea, um, to make a decision like that after giving a manager a lot of money to get his players in, to get certain players that he wants. And we, we could talk about replacements. Like I've heard Roger's name get brought up, who's fell out with one of Chelsea's new signings. Got Potter, who possibly fell out with another one of their new signings. They, they've made a lot of signings and they've given the manager seven days to, to get it right. And as bad as Chelsea looked, is, is that not a bit too quick, Oli? I always think it's the worst possible time to sack a manager at literally days after the transfer window closes. Number one, you haven't had enough time to embed the players you've got. It takes time to transition. And with the, you know, if you look at Chelsea's defence, their defence is practically, you know, you could do an entire new defence with the players they brought in. So I think you need to give them time because the weakest part this season has been how many goals they're conceding. Granted, they're not scoring many either, but... So I think, number one, you need to let players, you know, grow into it. You need to let the manager get to know his players again. So first of all, you know, sacking someone days, even weeks after the transfer window is closed, I think it's crazy. If you're going to, if you have that in your mind that you're going to do it, and I honestly think they may have, then you do that before the transfer window closes in my mind. So that at least the new manager can have some sort of say over some players coming in so we can put his stamp on it. Because now whoever they bring in has quite literally got a whole half of the season to go. The transfer window is just closed. It's a long time until they can put their stamp on that team. Not that they need to. Whoever comes in, they've got a great 
squad. But yeah, they are weak points in that. Like we've said, Bamiyan, I don't, I agree with Kieran. I don't think he's the man to lead that line. He didn't do great at Arsenal at the end of it. Um, but for me, it's a shocking decision to sack him, but it hasn't come as a shock in my mind. Um, he looked like a broken man in pre-season. He looked tired. He looked lethargic and the season hadn't even got going yet. So I think that was just a bad omen and you could sense something was drastically going wrong. The transfers, everything around Chelsea so far this season, despite only being two years, I think, after they won the Champions League, it's crazy to think how far they've dropped. Um, so yeah, I'm shocked by the decision. Uh, I know a lot of the fans are really unhappy about it as well, but uh, I'm not shocked by it. Also, we've touched upon, you know, it's a new owner. Um, that 100 days, I'm pretty sure exactly is how long they've been in charge and they sacked him. I think it's quite telling that in their press release, they said it's on the 100th day that we've sacked him. In my mind, I kind of feel like he's came in and the new owner, like we've already said, like Spurs Sampner, I think he had their, they had in their mind that they want to bring a new manager in at the first possible time they can do it. The 100th day, I think they've just done it to make it some sort of, oh, on the 100th day, we're going to bring in our own manager as some sort of great thing or something. I don't know. It just seems a bit too coincidental. That's been 100 days. They've got rid of their person. Um, and yeah, I just think it's a big mistake. This guy won them the Champions League, the World Super Cup, whatever. Um, more time should have been given and definitely don't sack it days after the transfer window closes. It's baffling, isn't it? Because Bowley is not like, he's not an idiot. This guy runs, he's a billionaire. He runs a ton of businesses. He's very successful. But this decision, it, it, it may, is, is it possibly a lack of football understanding? Like understanding football and understanding how it works? I, to, to me, it's weird. I mean, were Chelsea very good? No. I mean, they're above Liverpool, but I ain't saying a lot. Um, they have they come off a winning at West Ham, albeit very controversial with, with the VAR decision that happened there. And, and they've not been very good. They've got battered by Leeds. They're, you know, unconvincing against Leicester, lost to Southampton. The Tottenham draw maybe was unlucky, but kind of summarised how it was. And I agree with Oli, really, when the two-shell looked broken. He looked, he was always finding ways. So, you know, I remember after the Leeds game, he said that they were, they were very lucky and that it was just, you know, very dismissive of the fact that his team were at fault for that. Um, the Tottenham game, obviously, the whole incident with Conte, and just yeah, he's, he's maybe someone that is just wasn't happy because Chelsea's transfer plan to me was strange from from the get go. While they brought in good players, it's always it kind of seemed kind of oh he's good, let's sign him rather than this is why we're going to sign this player. He's going to benefit our system and our team. For fans, a fantastic signing, good credits, fans, but they were just throwing money at, at players, they, albeit good players, but it just never made complete sense and. You could kind of sense that, and I, as I said in the, in the prediction video, that while I didn't have con, um, Tuchel first to be sacked, I, I thought that he might might struggle. But uh, you know, at the same time, how many world class managers are available? Tuchel is a world class manager. How many are available? I, I agree with the sentiment that um, he is. He might not be. That that is just a weird decision. It's, it's a really odd decision. And. If, we look towards replacements. Obviously, we won't talk too much because as we're recording this, it is 100 miles an hour and in terms of who Chelsea are getting in. The, the favourite is Graham Potter from Brighton. Just to sort of theorise, um, Kieran or Ollie, whoever wants to jump here, Graham Potter at Chelsea, how does it sound to you? I'm sure Kieran wants to say so. I'm just going to put my thumbs up and say I think it would be a good yeah? decision. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I think Graham Potter has shown how he can work within a budget. You know, he did it in the Championship. Brighton went and looking in the championship with this specific manager, his ability to change games in games is second to none. He's a fantastic tactical manager. He seems like a fantastic person to have around the place as well. You know, I think he's got the perfect balance of probably knowing when someone needs an arm around their shoulder and when they need a bit of a tongue lashing. Um, I just worry about 
these kind of managers who don't have any expectations on them really you know when when you see managers go from no disrespect to Brighton because of where they are and how they're performing but it is like a mid-table Premier League club the expectations are lower from pundits from experts from journalists from the fan base when you then take that leap into a club where expectations are undoubtedly going to be higher some struggle some thrive but that would be a concerning area I think I would say that it probably is the most natural progression for Botter. I don't imagine that he would have... I think he was destined for a big job. You know, there was a lot of talk of the England job um, as well. I don't think he would take that. I think he likes the idea of a project and doing things day to day. You know, the, the international jobs are very much at certain moments throughout the season. I think he enjoys the day to day aspect of it and working with players and progressing them and building them up. Um, I think a natural progression maybe for him would have been to go somewhere perhaps where the expectation is still a bit lower than Chelsea, for instance, but a bit higher than Brighton. I don't really know who falls into that bracket at the moment, but the likes of Aston Villa, West Ham, Leicester, based on recent finishes, perhaps even Newcastle, um, he could have been the man beyond Eddie Howe to lead them into their new era. And then he moves on. I just think, I think going from Brighton to Chelsea is a big, big leap, just based on how it's affected other managers. Um, I mean, Pochettino is probably a good example of someone who thrived after going from a smaller Premier League club to a bigger Premier League club and installing his ideas and his his mentality that he wanted. Um, I think in this case, Potter, if he did go to Chelsea, um, would need to be given time. You know, when Tuchel arrived, it was very short-term success. He won the Champions League after, what, four months, five months? I think if Potter goes there, I think they need to understand that it's not necessarily going to be a painful rebuild because look at the players you've brought in over the summer, but there is a lot of things missing Um in that team and I think a lot of the time over recent years there has been a lot of just oh we'll just throw money at this player and this player and this player you know Timo Werner has left Hakim Ziyech is probably on his way out Kai Havertz isn't performing to the level that he's been projected to um, I think if I'm being honest I think Kai Havertz is slightly protected by that Champions League final goal um, I don't think I can tell you another goal he scored I don't know if they know his best position um, and for 80 million you'd like to think they would know things like that I think the midfield is a problem. Jorginho, they're trying to get rid of him for two or three years. Kovacic is a great player, but sometimes more injury prone. And Kante is now probably often more on in the treatment room than he is on the pitch. So, unfortunately, uh, the Lukaku move was controversial. And, you know, and that's how you've seen how that's gone. Aubameyang talked about how he was excited to work with Tuchel again, and he got to work with him for 59 minutes. Um, so, I think there is a painful rebuild in need for Chelsea, a painful, painful one, because... It's not necessarily clear, um, but I think if there is a person to do that, I think Todd Bowley and the, I think he needs a sporting director to start. I think he's making too many football-based decisions. Um, let him be the owner, let him run the business, let him handle the finances, but not in a way where it affects what happens on the pitch. Um, I thought the removal of Marina, I cannot pronounce her last name, so I'm just going to do an Ollie and not say it. Petr Cech, um, people who kind of understand the club and the model have been there for a while were let go and it seems like he's building his own team and yeah that's fine if it works but if it doesn't work and you don't have someone in there who understands the club you know I think back to Petr Cech and what he did um, right after the the announcement of the Super League he was in with the fans talking to them trying to make them understand saying what they were going to do I don't think you have another man like that at Chelsea and I think you need a man like that at every kind of big club um, just to have that liaison between the fans and the board so 
to summarise, I do think a painful rebuild is needed. Um, the transfers kind of paper over the cracks, in my opinion. Um, you can spend all this money with these billionaire owners. You can just throw money at players, but at the end of the day, they have to perform then. Um, so is there too much pressure on the likes of Kukurea, Fafana, um, Sterling, potentially? I, I imagine Sterling will be fine because he's proven he's already kind of doing quite well in a Chelsea shirt and he's used to those expectations. Um, but as we saw maybe first with Ben White and Aaron Ramsdale, when they first moved to Arsenal from Brighton and Sheffield United, respectively, there was a bit of a teething process and it might be the same here. Um, but I do think if it's going to be anyone, Graham Potter, I think is, the, is probably the right person. In fact, definitely the right person to lead them forward, especially as I do think they need a bit of a rebuild. To be fair, you said about the right person. I think you're the right person to ask on that. You talked about not many managers. It's hard for them to make the right jump up. Poch from Southampton to Tottenham. That's one of the only other ones that I can think of that, you know, was a good success. And you're a massive fan of his and those Spurs fans were. So I think, you know, it could be some of that. I think it would be a good thing. Obviously, he may be in charge by the time he did it. Could it. Poch. it could be Poch. It could be Poch. It could be Poch. Poch, Poch, Poch. It could be Poch as well, yeah. But one thing I do want to say is, um, just very briefly, literally, one little thing. Uh, I think a director of football would need to come in if they did bring in... Um, Oh my God, well, how have I just forgotten his Potter? I forgot his name. Oh my God, what's gone? You just spoke about it. Anyway, Potter, because he isn't used to having that much money. And he would be coming in with a lot of money. He's not used to it. And I think it's very easy for these sort of managers to get a bit... Thing. I don't think he would do, but I think it would definitely help be able to, you know, put the money in the right places. Because it is a big jump up from a club like Brighton to Chelsea. But also, I think the youth at uh, Chelsea would be really exciting to see Potter because he's not used that money. So he does like to, you know, youth players as well. So I think players like Brozier, maybe like Ampadu might have another chance, you know. He, even though he didn't have a number, yeah, I know he's gone out on loan, yeah, but he wasn't on the bench. Now. So he did have a number in the end. So, but yeah. Yeah, no. Where did Billy Billy Gilmore go, Brighton, or was that just room? Yeah, he's Brighton. Um, yeah, uh, that would have been. I would imagine Billy Gilmore got to stay at January. The way he likes to leave Cole, you're right. It's it, there. There are. I mean, if you're going to build from any academy in the world, you'll build from Chelsea, right? I mean, but before that, I mean, will he be in charge for their next game? Obviously, they're playing Fulham, sort of the surprise package of the Premier League. That could probably lead into our next point. Obviously, Kieran was not here uh, last time. Tottenham are still very good. Um, albeit they weren't convincing until last Saturday. They, they finally sort of had a bit of a trademark performance where, where they put, put the beat in on, on Fulham and um, let them know they're there. Um, Kieran, how, how has Tottenham been? In last, how, is it, how does it feel to have a team that might actually compete for the title? This is the thing, though. Like I, I go into every game 50-50. I went into that Fulham game like, are we going to get the team that started the Wolves game? passive, allowed them too much space, didn't really give it a lot, won by a slender goal, or are we going to get the team that kind of blew away Southampton on that opening day of the season? Um, I think it was the first indication we got of Conte using the depth that he's brought in. Richarlison started, uh, Cessnion came in ahead of um, Perisic, Longley made his first appearance ahead of Ben Davies. Um, so it was nice to see that, obviously, with Marseille at the time recording. That game is tonight. By Friday, obviously, we'll know the outcome of that. So I may look very stupid for this here. Um, but I imagine you'd want to play your strongest team um, against Man City at the weekend. So rather than going with the idea of um, playing your first team players in the game at the weekend so they can be rested for a certain midweek game. Well, no, I'm, I, no rather than... Resting skies all over the place. So they, play, <laughs> so they can play in the Champions League game and then bring them back in potentially for the Premier League game. 
I don't really know what to plan. I, I mean, if Perisic doesn't start, it would also if Perisic, Ben Davies, um, people like that don't start, I'd be surprised. But then I would say revert back to the team that played against West Ham, but we weren't very good then either. So it, it, the selection is kind of an issue at the moment in that you play so well against the team, but you make these three changes. Do you keep with that team? Do you not? I think Richarlison, if he doesn't start, I think he will start tonight. If he doesn't start against Man City at the weekend, you know, I think he's perfectly fit. He'll be absolutely smashing down Conte's door because he was probably our best player. I do um, want to ask you a quick question. I want to ask you a quick question on this one, actually. I was uh, hoping you didn't touch upon it before I could say it. But quickly, just while you're on, you're on your own. Richarlison was brought in what many people saw sort of as the, I think they saw him as a backup to the attacking like Son like, but obviously Kulaveski was dropped and he was brought in. Son's not been, well, he hasn't scored yet, I don't think, has he? He's not really been on the best of form. Richarlison has blown people away with sort of how much he's changed as a person, and a, or not maybe as a person, you saw his show, but, but as a player and his style of sort of play. He seems to be, be much more focused maybe already at Spurs than he was at Everton. With Son out of form, and, you know, maybe bringing Kulaveski back because Richarlison's not really a replacement, direct replacement for him. Do you think Richarlison should start maybe against Man City then over Son? Because obviously he's in much better form. This was the thing about everyone wanted Richarlison to start, but it wasn't at the, at the expense of Kulaveski. It was at the expense of Son because although, yes, you can say these great players might not have direct goal involvement, like Son just looked a shadow of himself last season. So we, I think everyone was surprised when it was Kulzewski dropped instead of Son. Um, so I, I, I think the only thing I can think of is maybe Kulzewski being slightly out of form as well probably goes more noticed because you think Son can just out of nowhere score a fantastic goal, produce a moment of magic, um, which probably was the thinking behind him playing. Of course, you know the the Kane-Son partnership as well. I think it's maybe a lot easier to break up the Kane-Son-Kulazewski partnership than the Kane and Son partnership. Um, but I mean, it kind of will all be determined as to what team is put out tonight. I think I think Richarlison will start in this game and then I think Conte will revert back to the same front three who kind of allowed Spurs to have a great end to the season last season and that also started this season. You know, I think I don't think we're very far away from Richarlison forcing himself into that front three if Son and Kulazewski aren't performing. But I think... I think it may be quite, quite quite fickle to immediately remove Son from the team because for the last six, seven years, he's been fantastic. So I think maybe people will easily forget that he won the Golden Boot last year and that he was so good last year. And yes, I do think it, it wasn't even necessarily that I think Son should be dropped. I think now that you've got those options, you can take him out of the team and bring in Richarlison for a couple of games or for that extended period of time a bit longer just to see how he does. And then you decide as to what your preferred front three will be. Um, so, in answer, I, I do think Richardson will play tonight, i.e. Wednesday night. And then I think I think it just makes sense to go back to the front three that also caused City so many problems last year. It's a big game. Big game on Saturday, Man City versus Tottenham. And I mean, I don't know how it's going to... Man City will win, Haaland will score, but I don't know how it's going to go outside of that, but... <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I think we're all getting quite sick of, of Erling Haaland. This, this, he needs to grow up and stop scoring all these goals. It is ridiculous how good he is. And just City, City is so weird, man, because they, they keep trying to trying to sell to us that they're this bad. Oh, we've gone 2-0 down. What are we going to do? And then they come back and they just win. It's, it's very odd. 
that but they are again far and away the the team that are going to look like they're going to win the league. I also quickly want to touch upon a different topic. Um, and we're looking at a team that are bottom of the league. I know Man City aren't top, but I want to quickly talk about Leicester. What's going on there? Because it is shambolic what's going on at Leicester. One point in six games. Brendan Rodgers. I mean, if you're looking at a manager who should be sacked, it, it is Brendan Rodgers. He sounds like he wants to be sacked. I, I just don't really... Oli, did you see this coming for Leicester? Um, oh, first of all, I just want to say I'm so happy Man United didn't trigger that. I think seven-figure release clause or six-figure release clause or whatever. I think it was seven figures. Um, release clause for Brendan Rodgers last year. <laughs> um, I'm waiting out for Ten Hag because, you know, look how we're going now and look how Leicester are going. So I think we might have dodged a bit of that. Um, but did I see this happening? Yeah, I, I did. And, I, 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 you know, Brendan Rodgers, was, it was sort of a, it's been going downhill, really. You know, for maybe what a year or so, they they have they haven't really been improving. I think a lot of people were kind of hoping it was just injuries um, last season. You know, a lot of players were out, but now these players have come back and and they're still struggling. And I don't. I think if you look at the team, I think it's quite clear why um, they they are really improving it in terms of transfers. They're a very old or get they're getting an aging squad. Just they're still relying on Jamie Vardy, who granted, Derek is he still probably is at Premier League level, but I don't think that they can now rely on him as their starting striker. I'm still a bit confused why he's starting and Daka uh, is always on the bench well, because whenever I see Daka playing or coming on, I'm here, I'm seeing that he scores, especially in, in when he was uh, in other tournaments. Yeah. So, well, so they, took, they took him out, just quickly interrupt, they did take him out for, for the game against um, Brighton where, and guess who scored both the goals? It was Daka and Ianaco yeah, when Vardy uh, wasn't there. So. Well, there you go. That's what I mean. I, d- I didn't even know he did that, but that, that just proves my point even more so. I feel like they're too stuck and they're too stuck in the past on the players that have m- taken them so far. But now you need to look at it and you need to be like, okay, yeah, we need to actually improve. I don't know why they didn't make any signings there's so much stuff going on there at the club at the moment it's just all going a bit wrong for them but yeah Roger's definitely going to be be gone I reckon in in the next few weeks um I think when you sell you know you're probably your best centre-back when you're already struggling with centre-back options it ain't going to get much better going to go very well for you I know they did bring in a replacement on deadline day I'm pretty sure um so it'll be interesting to see how he settles in but yeah that club needs a big overhaul and I'm not going to lie to you I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the championship um which is really sad to see after they did so well a couple years back but I mean you have to think that's been so many years since then and have they really taken advantage of that and improved their squad I don't really think so I think they have. It's weird because I think if you look at Leicester's team, I mean, from the midfield onwards, it's it's quite good. Just looking at their most recent game, James Madison, Tielemans, Barnsley, and Nacho Daka. I'm not 100% sure on Samare being particularly a great player, but the other lot I just mentioned are all really good. Luke Thomas is all right. James Justin recently played for England. The defence, Wilfred Didi in centre-back, it just hasn't worked. Johnny Evans is a solid Prem centre-back. Danny Ward isn't great, but... He, you mentioned not, all those. You awful. mentioned all those players, though, and yeah, okay. If that team was the team that was constantly out there playing, yeah, granted, it's it's good when you look at it. If you look past that, there isn't really depth, and if you look at that, a lot of them players are constantly injured. So I think mm-hmm. on the surface, I think this is one of the teams you talk about Chelsea paper over cracks. You look at that on the surface, you know, them players, yeah, okay, decent. Can you tell me any more? Can you tell me how often they've all been playing consistently week after week together? No, and I think that's where their issues lie. Yeah, it's a shame because, I mean, it, it sounds like Leicester have no money. It, it sounds like the problem. Can they even afford to sack Brendan Rodgers? Because he's going to get £10 million if they do. And that's a lot of money for a club uh, that couldn't afford to make mental. many signs. So it, it, they brought in, I think it's Woot Faze or something like that from, 
from Liga, and I probably butchered that. But he, he couldn't get his visa in time to play against Brighton, so that's why he wasn't there. Will he be the new Fafana when Fafana came in? Leicester looked a lot better. Will that happen? But I mean, I can't, I can't imagine because they, they did improve since that you know since they won the Prem, they, then they dropped quickly and they, they sort of built up and, and albeit they bottled it twice in the final day, but they were Champions League contenders, which is probably a bit above what Leicester we're expecting Leicester to be. But the problem is, if they've not got any money, they've not been able to improve, and then you've got to look at what the people in charge of that money money are doing now, you know, because. It's quite poor. It's it's poor that they've they've they're a Premier League team, but they you should you've been established Prem team. You've been in Europe, albeit not in it this year, but you've been in Europe, and you've not addressed the big issue, which is your defence and how how poor it's been. Obviously, they do have this new centre back. We will have to see how good he is. But one point after six games, it, it can't you know because they and if if it, they do lose again next week, it, you've got to look at it and go you know cool it's ten million, it's a lot of money, but the. I mean, that could be actually just looking at it. Leicester be Aston Villa, like, you know, that could be a, a do or die match for both of them, Gerard. But yeah, the, the um, it, it, ten million for Rogers to sack him, or potentially relegation to the Championship, which will cost a lot more than ten million and could be really poor, especially if you've got all these players on, on massive contracts at your club. And that's it, guys, for the One Two Football podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check us out on our social media, One Two Football, One Two Football UK, and check out our website as well. One Two and Football TikTok and TikTok. And Always TikTok, forget TikTok. Right? Get the TikTok. <laughs> you, are, you guys, if you're listening to this, you made it this far, then go check out TikTok because after every single podcast recording, we further record some questions um, and some quiz-like uh, to- uh, questions. Or I just said questions, quiz things for our TikTok as well. So that goes on for another twenty minutes. Make so make sure, sure you check, check that out, out as well. Please do. It'll be on our, all our social media. We promote it everywhere. Please check that out as well. Except this podcast, but we're starting now. Make sure <laughs> to follow our TikTok and we'll see you in two weeks' time.